Greetings programs and welcome back to the Awesome Friday podcast. Back to our usual mode of being where we're going to review two films this week. My name is Matthew and with me as is usual is Simon. Hello. Simon, how are you today? Hello. Hello. I'm fine. Thank you. It's been a busy Saturday. I've been all over the place. I enjoyed at the very beginning of this podcast, the sound you can hear is Matt rubbing his hands together like some kind of maniacal Mr. Burns getting ready to to destroy things um so uh yeah i'm just just busy just so busy with with family stuff we've had soccer and i've taken the car in for a service and i also went to starbucks so um that's my, that's my vancouver life for you treat yourself well, tr- <laughs> well i went with my children and so there's no such thing when you have children there's no such thing as treat yourself unless you are by yourself um right. And so I went to Starbucks and spent $40 on basically some lunch bits because that's our life now in the big smoke. Um, I mean, yeah, you spent $40. So I imagine you got three drinks and a croissant. <laughs> that's exactly what we got pretty much. And, I, and um, I say that as someone who actually quite likes Starbucks generally. So, yeah. It does feel like everything's more expensive. I don't need, we don't need to begin our podcast by announcing that things are more expensive. I think people probably know that but um one can only hope because the reason and, it feels and, like things are more expensive is that they are more expensive like, and i keep just... saying to my kids like you'll never be this rich in your life like wherever you go you don't have to lift a finger or spend a penny on anything people are just going to feed you and give you drinks wherever you go and just you wait when you have to start paying for your own shit that's that's when it stinks yeah it really does and you never get used to it 41 years right. old, and I'm still not used to it. Oh, yeah. I'm 46 next month. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're an old man, and you will always be older mm-hmm. than me, just for the record. Well, I mean, that's that's how it works. <sighs> yeah. There's something very strange. We've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Like, next month I'm turning 46, which means in four years, which is really not any kind of time, I'm going to be 50. And I've, I've got, like, mentally, uh, I've got a problem with that because it feels like my imposter syndrome is pretty strong about um, turning 50, because 50-year-olds should probably have their shit together in some way. That's uh, the great secret of life, is that everyone you know who appears to have their shit together is basically just faking it. So, I, I, yeah, I don't, uh, and especially given, I mean, this is a much bigger conversation than we have time for today <laughs> but, but like um everyone's faking it and then there's the whole like our parents generation probably did have mm-hmm. it together better than us and then they turned conservative and retained all their wealth and we have nothing and capitalism was a mistake and uh that's that's all i got the energy for for this particular topic is to say that like there's it's fine we're all fine and just you know, like I always try to tell myself, don't uh, don't don't compare your feature film to everyone else's trailer. You know, like you only get to see yeah. everybody else's highlight reel, everybody yeah. else's sizzle reel. You don't know what's going on in the feature film that is their messed up, probably life. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as every good coach I've ever had has said, the only person that you're competing with is yourself. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Did they say that in a montage? That sounds like a training montage. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Did you not see the montage happening around me? I know it's a radio uh, show, but you should be able to see it. So. <laughs> I can imagine it. It's a beautiful thing. 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, while I was doing that voiceover, there was images of me, like, <laughs> boxing and, like, parrying with a sword and, like, running. Just looking up in slow motion with the sweat dripping off your brow. Just yeah. one more. Yeah, exactly. You know, running up the hill that is Oak Street in Vancouver. That's a very local reference. Hey, I remember the time where I was taking my kids to daycare and I bumped into you and it was... Or I was going to work at, like, seven in the morning and you were on the way to a sword play like, boot camp. Because you're like, yeah, I just want to, I just want to like get fit. (laughs) I've never been that person. Uh, To be fair, I was that person exact. I I paid for like a 10 session boot camp and I think I made it to two of them. So I've never really been that person. (laughs) (laughs) And that was years ago. That was years ago. Two more than I would have, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. So So are you excited to get back to our like normal way of doing things now that we've had two 2022 best of episodes we're just going to start talking about normal movies again i am and so to commemorate that we're talking about two 2022 movies this week um i well, we're I still am, catching up we're still catching up i am like i don't i i have trouble with all the the listing and stuff because there's so much i miss i've mentioned this a few weeks ago there's so much i know i've missed and i could give you a completely by the end of this year i could probably give you a completely different list but uh, what's also nice as well is that I've I've stopped pretending to like stuff just because I think it should be liked. Do you know what I mean by that? Like I'm yeah. at a point in my life now where I would rather watch High School Musical three than probably ninety five percent of the movies you put in front of me, and that's that's fine. I don't I don't care. I'm just gonna love what I love, and that's fine. And I mean, uh, as it as it should be. I mean, that's I yeah. I think I think we should all be doing that really i mean whenever we talk about a film i always strive to find at least something positive to say because even in movies that i don't like there's people who are going to like it and i think i should point out those things that i think they might like uh but like i don't feel the need to like everything i know you're you're a little more hot cold than i am like i tend to fall more into like Um, yeah it was fine on a lot of stuff and you tend to be like no or yes like it's very like you know my metric my metrics are are far less patient than yours now like you'll look for things and i'm just i'm so i i'm almost the opposite to how i used to be with movies like I, i i don't i don't have the bandwidth to go in depth into stuff like i used to i've just got too much in my head and if i watch a movie i need escapism for a tight ideally a tight 90 minutes and i want it to make me feel something and to be told in a creative way and it to be fun and really does it do that yes or no means do i love it or do i dislike it there's there's very rare instances of being in the middle for me anymore so what you're saying is that we should really be operating on the siskel and ebert thumbs up thumbs down not (laughs) uh, a way of doing things rather than a five star rating hey uh, well, a more model equivalent for me would be: Did it make me feel as good as Michael Bay's Ambulance? That's uh, <laughs> that's the yes or no. That's the yes or no thing. That film genuinely makes me happy. I've just bought it on Blu-ray uh, on on 4K, whatever you want to call that, UHD. And I turned on Crave the day after I received it. I turned on Crave, and it's just been added to Crave. And not an ounce of my body was like, oh, if only I'd waited, I could have watched it for free. It was just 100% ambulance is on Crave. So many people are going to get to watch ambulance now. And I have it on 4K and that's brilliant. Like, I just, it just makes me happy. That film makes me happy. And 
in ways that many other movies haven't made me happy. <laughs> yeah, and that makes it a thumbs up. Like, yes. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's a yes. thumbs up, thumbs down thumbs scale up. from right. for Simon so, uh, coming through. You're not wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. This is kind of like how I... Uh, this year I've decided that it'll be, I think I spoke a little bit about it, but I've decided to like restart my physical media collection. So I did go and dig yeah. out the few like DVDs that I never got rid of. And I found my limited edition DVD of Total Recall, which came in a circular tin that looks like Mars. God. Um, and uh, I watched, we watched Total Recall the other day and that movie just, I, I can't, I don't know. I don't like everything Paul Verhoeven has ever done, but his the films that he's made that I like, I love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Oh yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. He's... And uh, and I choose now to believe that uh, RoboCop and Total Recall and um, Starship Troopers are all in the same world. It's all one <laughs> timeline. That's your headcanon now. They're all the same thing. Yeah, I mean, because if you take the news clips from RoboCop and just splice them into the <laughs> propaganda moments of Starship Troopers, they would not, they would, they would, they would not feel out of place, except I mean, maybe should, for like the grainy resolution. You should push the envelope a little bit and see if you can squeeze Showgirls in there as well, like justify Showgirls in the Verhoeven universe, cinematic universe, and uh, I'm sure you could find a way to do it. Definitely. I mean. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. Uh, I haven't watched it in I don't know since uh, since it was probably new. But I do know people who unironically like sort of dig that movie. Showgirls. Yeah, but what's interesting is that like it's it's right in the middle of that run, right? Like uh, RoboCop was nineteen eighty seven. Um, Total Recall is nineteen ninety, and then it's Basic Instinct, Showgirls, and Starship Troopers. <laughs> back to back so like wow. and like basic instinct is a great is a great movie yeah, um, showgirls maybe not so much but you can sort of see the like progression there and then his like reset <laughs> yeah. going back to that sort of over the top satirical style uh and i dig it yeah. i like it yeah i do get yeah. the feeling if i haven't just does what he wants to do and for, for good or bad he does whatever he wants well he is I mean, especially now, he's still making movies and he's like 84, 83, 84. What was the last film he made? Uh, he made a movie called um, Benedetta in 2021. And he made a movie called L in 2016. Those are the last two I'm aware of. I've never heard of those. Or indeed, anything past Hollow Man. Oh, Black Book is really good. Uh, that's... Uh, uh, set during Second World War movie, Dutch. Well, it's quite good. Yeah. I see. We should all. I mean, the point of the story here is that we should all watch more Verhoeven, and that is very much not like the next film we're going to talk about. <laughs> or the first, I should say, the first film we're going to talk about. Uh, yeah. As we awkwardly segue towards a film that uh, I think Simon would give a thumbs up to, so, and I would, and I would. I don't know if I would so much give it a thumbs down, but I, I don't want to really want to give it a thumbs up either. So, so, so this might be, yeah. This might let's, be let's, my let's, yeah, let's dive into, I'll let, Simon, I'll let you um, give us the rundown on the late 2022 release, now exclusively streaming on Shudder, Burial. Burial. And, and go. Well, uh, the first thing you need to do when you load up Shudder and look at Burial um, is to completely ignore 
their synopsis for this movie because, well, first of all, it sounds cool as shit. It sounds like it's um, a group of uh, allies um, need to uh, retrieve Hitler's dead body after the end of the Second World War and take it back with them, and they get ambushed by a group of Nazi werewolves. Now, I texted. I think I texted this to you straight away, saying this is how you make me watch a movie because I love. Uh, I'm quite scared of werewolves. I watched American Werewolf in London entirely too young, so I'm quite scared of werewolves. But I love like Dog Soldiers comedy werewolves. I love like Dog Soldiers is brilliant. So it's I was like okay, post World War Two Dog Soldiers, I'm in a hundred percent. And and if the only the movie was, were that. Well, you. <laughs> the, so the first thing of note is that this is a movie about actually a group of Russians who. Uh, discover Hitler's body um, in the bunker. He's killed himself. He's killed Ivrebron, and everyone's dead. And it turns out that Stalin wants a prize, so they they want to sneak this body back because if if um, the Nazi holdouts get Hitler's body, they can manipulate a footage to make it look like he's not actually dead. And Stalin wants to look him in the eyes. The Russians like to look them in the eye, look the enemy in the eyes. So you've got this setup where the Russians are sneaking the body out on a truck and they have to go through uh, Poland, right? Yep, Poland, yep. Yeah. And th- so they do get ambushed, but the werewolves they get ambushed by are not... There's no werewolves in this movie whatsoever. It's a nickname for... Um, high-ranking or, or older Nazis who uh, basically at the end of the war when the Nazis got beaten, they went into the woods and waited with sniper rifles and ammunition to kill any passing Russians, basically to to keep killing troops as like guerrilla warfare almost. So they, they gained this um, uh, reputation for being very very hard to spot and very very hard to kill because they were experts at hiding in forests and so they get ambushed by a group of these nazi holdouts nicknamed werewolves in fa- and and they wear one... wolf pelts and then stuff it's they do so they use they use a a burning moss to make their enemies hallucinate so there's a few scenes where because they're wearing furs where the the, the people that are tripping bulls think they see werewolves. I wonder if they tried to kind of shoehorn that in that aspect to make it fit into Shudder a bit more, because what you've actually got is a very tight war movie that's really not supernatural at all. There's The, the kind of elements you find on Shudder uh, are kind of almost completely lacking, apart from this like 10 minutes where they kind of hallucinate these werewolves, and then that aspect is completely forgotten. So it does feel a bit shoehorned in. But what you have got is a group of Russians led by an actress um, called Charlotte Vega, who plays Brana, who's this uh, female uh, leader of this. Well, she's not the leader, but she's the driving force. She's like the lead she's, scientist. She's the intelligence officer in yeah, the story. Yeah. Yeah. She's and, she's the one who discovered Hitler's body, and she's the one who's tasked with bringing it back to Stalin. And... Right. Yeah, and they get attacked in the and woods as, in Poland. That's 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 the, as, whole, that's the whole. That's the whole. As they, it is as they come through Poland. There's lots of commentary about who, 
who's the goodies here? Who's the good guys? Because the Polish hate the Russians too, because the Russians, when they came in, they executed people that they thought were sympathizers for the Nazis. So the Polish people they meet don't trust anyone. They equate the Nazis and the Russians equally. And the Russians are trying to convince everyone that they, they're not there to hurt anyone else now. And then there's a, a siege um, as the werewolves sort of find them and close in and they want Hitler's body. And maybe because I was expecting kind of Shudder exclusive, and to be fair, Shudder's a great service. Their exclusives are not high budget. They're usually high concept, supernatural horror stuff, obviously. And they're fun for what they are. And this isn't any of those things. It feels it's made in a a far less kind of uh, fantastical way. And it's a really tight, uh, tense war movie with some really good messages in it, for me anyway. So what did you not, what didn't work for you here? I mean, honestly, just hearing you talk about it makes me more upset about it. Because <laughs> it's, oh, no. it's none of those things. It's not, it's none of the. <laughs> Uh, i will disagree like it is only it's 95 minutes long and it feels flabby it's like the werewolf stuff you're not wrong the werewolf stuff like all the hallucinogenic stuff feels super shoehorned and it feels like even though it's only 95 minutes long it it feels to me like the movie could have been 15 minutes shorter and better for it um there's a long stretch in the second act where very little happens and characters sit around and speak in big expository dumps and basically like sit around and say like, here are the explicit morals that my character brings to this fable of modern atrocity. Um, and I just, I, I, and like at the end of the day, I didn't, I didn't really dislike it. But like, I definitely, I was, I was pretty bored by the end. What? I was pretty bored by the did end. You, did you watch the same movie I did? Because usually it's me. Apparently getting not. Film. Apparently I, not. I, I love this film. And, and it, it feels super tense and, and like, really like gritty. It, yeah, no, it feels like it's definitely like low budget and high concept, and I get that. But I think I was thinking about it this morning because I, you know, I'm a dork and I blog everything on Letterboxd, and I'm just gonna say this is what I said on Letterboxd, and I'm it's pretty much I think the best. Um, summation of how I feel in that I, I'm, my, my take is basically that it's fine even if it is a less interesting movie than advertised about a way more interesting idea than advertised <laughs> well you're right that's the one thing I do agree with the idea is much more interesting <clears throat> than low budget Nazi dog, dog soldiers in that it is it's a proper actual tense war movie and the um is it, is the, it, is the it, i pace... mean it is it is a war movie you are correct i mean um, i it felt almost like a bottle movie because they're stuck in the the, the truck the truck gets stuck very very quickly so between the the small area of forest they go into and then the um the house they end up in and then the church it's all in a small area and it feels almost a bit like a, a siege like a bottle movie and i, I I no, it's definitely it's definitely that. Like it's definitely like a basically a single location good guy bad guys closing in on the good guys. Yeah. Um but the dialogue is clunky and it's uh, the pacing is um, inconsistent. <laughs> and the bad guys don't really have any discernible um like there's a there's a really good nugget, a very good core of an idea there as to why the bad guys want Hitler's body and why the main character, Brana, 
very much wants to get him the body back to Stalin. And it's just not really explored in very much depth. And the bad guys end up not really having any motivation for remaining Nazis other than they just kind of love fascism. Uh, well, I mean, and, ma- and maybe do you, do you need more for Nazis to fill. Do you need a treatise? There were tons of Nazis you didn't give up after the Second World War. No, but I mean, in a movie like this, that's trying to have more high-minded ideals, uh, more and, and a deeper it 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 seems to want to have a deeper exploration of that idea, and then does not do it. Do you me. not feel the the prologue and the epilogue have that though? With the older version played by Harriet Walter, uh, is is the older version of of Branner. Uh, I mean, this dealing, is dealing with a neo-Nazi. I thought that was a really effective end and beginning. Yeah, I, I mean, anything anything with Harriet Walter can't be all bad. So is she famous? Is she in, uh, is she Canadian famous? No, she's British. She's a Order of the British Empire. She's right? won like uh, Olivier awards and Tony been nominated for Tonys. And uh, she's, why have I never heard of her? I mean, she's to more recent to more recent audiences. She has like one scene in I think the Last Jedi, and but she's also like, um, uh, she's Rebecca's mom in Ted Lasso, and she is uh, the the main character's mom in Succession. Um, like she's around. She's been around for a long time, and she's been okay. and she's very like highly regarded, like well well respected character actress. She's and she's wonderful. She's basically always great. Who's um, in the Force Awakens? I can't remember. I think it's the Last Jedi. Actually, she's like uh, a doctor uh, who's uh, treating uh, Chewbacca, and Chewbacca is like saying, "Oh." Uh, I can't remember exactly the dialogue, but he's like Chewbacca talking at her, and she's like, "Yes, I bet you are very brave." Yeah. <laughs> like, um. Yeah. And, and and yeah, I don't I don't know. Like this movie is like, oh. I'm still gonna give it a three out of five. I think it's fine. Um, it's just so frustratingly fine it's fine it's totally fine it's totally fine you could do worse than to watch it I... it's only it's only 95 minutes um so three to five watch it if you want to i don't it's fine <laughs> well you're done already with this film i'm done yeah um, i gave it a four out of five i thought it was really really effective i really liked the the lead actress charlotte vega um one thing I absolutely loved about this film is how, is how to portray uh, different languages and and their sort of the the contrast and their clash. And yeah, and that was interesting. One 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 thing they did really really well is to not make any of the cast put on any accents that weren't their natural accents. So the language of this the language of this film is German, but we hear it as naturally accented English, and then. Everyone else in this movie speaks a, their own native language, but if they if they asked to speak German, they use broken English instead. And I thought that was really really good. And and I think it well, the like sort of by, where, where that sort of, where that sort of falls apart for me is that the language of the film is actually Russian and German, and it's only really the Polish people who. Uh, end up speaking in broken English because they don't really fully understand one or the other. But there's scenes where, like, it is clever the way that there's one scene in particular uh, with Barry Ward, who plays a character called Tor, who's like t- trying to speak to a local, and he's clearly speaking 
Russian. And then he's like, wait, do you speak German? And the way he speaks never changes, but the way she understands him does. And yes, that is very clever and very effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it also, like, when it works, it works. And when it doesn't, you're just like, why are all these people British? Why are they all, like, why are they all British? Oh, if I, they're, didn't, like, I didn't bother me at all. It only bothers me because they they go so they try so hard to make it clear that they're speaking different languages, but then they're all different. Anyway, it's one I just didn't. I I mean, it's for me. It did. It's just a theater trick. Like I was just thankful that we didn't have Tom Felton doing his Polish accent. Come to the come here. I will help you. Like I was really really thankful that we didn't have bad European accents. And uh, why does does your impression of Tom Felton? Doing a Polish accent sound like he's from yeah. Transylvania. Exactly, because he's really bad at it. That was my impression <laughs> of him doing a bad accent. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Tom Felton is advertised front and center on this. Uh, um, he's not in it very much. He has he has a nice role in it, and he's fine in it. He's a nice guy. He's a fine actor, um, but he's not in this very much. So don't go in uh, expecting Draco Malfoy versus the Nazis. Although I would the shit out of that um but, yeah, but he's, he's also he's also the character who shows up and basically when they're like what are you doing here he's like ah oh, i'm the audience insert i'm the one to make clear the gray oh, moral wow. area in which oh, this film exists so cynical oh uh, yeah <laughs> you it were not in the mood for this film i was yeah i mean to be fair maybe maybe i just wasn't in the mood for this <laughs> you, film you are not because i i i'm usually pretty forgiving of stuff like this and i just could not get <laughs> past any of it this time so maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. I'm the problem. It's, it's me. <laughs> it's me. Um, <laughs> but like, maybe. I didn't. I didn't dig. I didn't dig it. I didn't. 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 But I mean, I did. At the end of the day, like again, it's fine. It's it's too long. Um, but the stuff that works really works enough that it's fine. Three out of five. It's fine. Let's move on. Oh no! Wow. <laughs> oh, maybe I haven't finished. Oh my god. Um, one, thing I, one thing I will say is that it doesn't feel like it fits on Shudder at all, and maybe that's part of the problem. Like Shudder has a type of thing, and that's why it's a really great streaming service. It has a type of movie that is usually fantastical, or has horror, or some kind of spookiness. And this this really doesn't. The bit that is there is shoehorned in, and it would be far more fitting on a streaming service that has more straightforward non-fantastical stories i'll say that much but um if you do have shudder then i really i think you should watch this because potentially you might like it as much as i did but potentially you might hate it as much as matt did so why don't but again you I, I, this is one of those things where it's it's difficult because at the end of the day i think it's fine i don't think it's a bad movie <laughs> but i can't i also can't really think of anything particularly great to say about it in the, at this juncture wow so like okay. I, it's you know it's it's fine but it's okay. a, well, good I, way to, a good way to classify well, this one. I loved it. Full stars. Go watch. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that it doesn't feel out of place on Shutter to me, but that's maybe because um, it's an IFC Midnight produced film, and IFC and AMC and Shutter, it's all one big umbrella. Um, so genre stuff tends to, like it just makes sense. So that's where it ended up. Yeah, but if nothing else, I'm glad. Stuff in it. I'm just glad that it does exist. Uh, like, I don't want to have to subscribe to AMC Plus as well to see things. So I'm glad it is somewhere it can at least be watched. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good. Yeah. Okay. So that's Burial. That's, we, that's, that's I, Burial. I have a feeling, 
I have a feeling you're going to be slightly more optimistic uh, and uh, positive, rather, about our second movie. What's our second movie? Oh, well, our second movie is uh, the once again late 2022 release, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which comes, I believe, 11 years after the original Puss in Boots movie, which was the fifth movie in the Shrek franchise, I think. I think it went Shrek 1, 2, 3, 4, and then Puss in Boots. And then it's been 11 years, and now it's uh, Puss in Boots 2. Uh, And it turns out, and I've said this in other places because I watched it like a week ago, but I don't know if you remember this little film uh, that was my favorite film of 2018 called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. But I have distinct memories when that film came out, just think being like, people are going to copy the stylistic and parts of this movie and we're all going to be better for it. And now, four years later, uh, we have our first amazing example of that because there's a Puss in Boots, The Last Wish takes a ton of cues stylistically and technically from Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse and then tells a really, really good story with the characters. And I kind of loved this movie. I, like, I didn't expect to, but I really loved this movie. Um, I guess I would just get the, the briefest of plot synopsis is, is that Puss in Boots is your fearless hero, and he has died eight times. He discovers he's on his last life. And then a cloaked wolf shows up to fight him because he's an arrogant... Uh, he's not living his... He's arrogant and not living his life to the fullest, and he wants to show him up. And then Puss in Boots gets scared for the first time ever and goes on the run. And then we learn about a magical star in a dark forest that can grant wishes. And he decides he can go get the star and wish for his lives back so he can be the fearless hero again. And the overall arc of the story is him learning to live life to the fullest and appreciate what he has. And it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. I don't know. What did you think about it? I don't want to say too much about it, but it's wonderful. So this is the this is the third Puss in Boots movie. <laughs> there was a um, there was a, a very quick follow up, but I get the feeling it was like Aladdin two style of straight to DVD. And honestly, I wasn't expecting much. The what was really interesting about this is that I started hearing, as I'm sure you did, I started hearing the feedback from people who've who've actually seen it, and suddenly I think I think I, sorry. I think the thing you're. I think the other thing you're thinking about Puss in Boots was a TV show. I, th- I don't think it was a movie. The Three Amigos was a TV show. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so Puss in Boots. Shrek franchise. Shrek. Shrek two. Shrek the third. Shrek forever. Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots. The so, last question. So Puss in Boots. The, the three. Puss in Boots. The Three Amigos was 2012. Oh, it's 13 minutes. There we go. That's <laughs> short. Still, yeah, that's a short. Still yeah. That's about as long as I can stay awake for in a movie these days, anyway. <laughs> Unless it's Michael Bay's ambulance. Um, so I wasn't expecting much, and then I heard people talking about it, and then I watched it, and it is you're totally right. Like this has got Spider Verse DNA throughout, but it's not just the amazing colors and uh, the animation, and they do that really. I, I if I I don't want to use technical term, but that thing with the frame rate where they kind of use a slightly slower frame rate to make things. I don't know how, I don't know how it's called animating on the twos. And basically it means that they certain, certain characters at 
certain characters at certain moments, uh, especially in action sequences, and it's super effective in these sequences. So are, are animated. Every other frame is animated, and at times, characters are on opposite twos. If that makes sense. Yes. So if one if yeah, one yeah. character's on on frame one and three, the other one's on frame two and four, um, and it's uh, it, it's right. super effective for really creating really kinetic motion. So I don't know how you can, by lowering the animation frame rate, it actually makes it feel more vibrant and energetic. I would love to know the the science behind that. But there's a fight early on, as you've texted me, like, oh, this film does not fuck around. Like, from the beginning, there's a fight with a troll at the beginning that the camera just, it just sweeps and comes down to his feet and then jumps up to the troll. And it's so unlike the kind of crappy action scenes you you see in like churned out kids movies it's really really good and an extra element of this film that um i think really ties it together is the writing is on point the design's on point and the protagonist sorry the antagonist the reason the person boots feels scared for his first time is because the wolf the death wolf is fucking terrifying like absolute genuinely scary antagonist in a kid's movie and not by using jump scares, just by being uh, terrifying and quiet. And the um, he's often uh, shot, if you like, or animated with his face direct to camera. And it is it has an incredible feeling. And um, as the movie goes on and, and Puss in Boots is on his last life now, and he's trying to work out what it means to be him instead of the legend and that he keeps running to different situations and the wolf keeps keeps finding him, but not running after him, just walking after him. If you've seen It Follows and that, that kind of terrifying <laughs> moment where you realize he's there and walking towards you and he'll never stop. Like, it is so effective. And Any, um, any chance to bring up It Follows. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do love that movie, Like a Baby. Um, but... Then all the other characters that are introduced don't feel superfluous at all. Like every everyone in the ensemble has a part to play in that ensemble, including a fantastically realized Goldilocks and the Three Bears, uh, all voiced brilliantly. Like the the voice casting in this is fantastic, and um, it builds to this like culmination of. It just makes sense. Like the ending makes sense, and you can follow what's going on, and it's really fantastical it it doesn't hold back from the places it goes to literally and uh it's just got a lovely ending like it's it's one, yeah, one of the it's, best kids movies one of the best animations i've seen in decades yeah i mean the, the whole the whole idea of puss puss in boots trying to reconcile who he is versus who the legend of him is and the reason that the the wolf is after him and who the wolf is ultimately revealed to be, which I don't want to directly spoil, um, is all wonderful. And the way it resolves that the last scene at the end where they do resolve their conflict, um, or at least this aspect of it is wonderfully written. And everyone who's in the movie plays into those, the same themes in wonderful ways. Like, um, Puss in Boots end up, ends up on this adventure to find the last wish with Kitty Softpaws, who is uh, a female um, cat and his like ex-partner. And then there's Harito, who is a dog, <laughs> who's like 
a super naive happy dog voiced by Harvey. Uh, I don't, I'm going to say his name wrong, but Gillian, 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 Gillian. I don't know. He's, he's Guillermo from uh, <laughs> what we do in the shadows. And each of them is there in a fully realized way, but also in ways that impact Puss's character positively and help him come to resolution. And um, Florence Pugh is maybe one of the best Florence Pugh movies of 2022, which is saying a lot. <laughs> she was in a bunch of movies in 2022, she's but she's, she's great as, as Goldilocks, uh, who's the leader of the Three Bears crime family, which is just wonderful, yeah. with Ray Winstone and Olivia Coleman and Samson Ko. Um, all <laughs> just being great. There's one. There's one more antagonist who's Big Jack Horner, who's you know obviously uh, an adult version of Little Jack Horner from the nursery rhyme. And I really enjoy that everyone in this story. And I know it's a holdover from Shrek, but I really enjoy that everyone understands that like they are originally from fairy tales. And there's even one moment where someone was like, "That's not even a very good fairy tale." And Jack Horner's like, "It's a nursery rhyme, actually." <laughs> um and again it's like i don't i don't want to spoil the ending but um the the conflict between because like big jack horner is the the antagonist um but the wolf is like the driving force of the story for puss and wagner mora who if you've never seen him and stuff he's legitimately great all the time but he is pitch perfect as the wolf in this mm. and i i legitimately can't wait to watch this movie again like it's yeah i, wa- uh, I watched it twice in two days and it's um it's one of those lovely films again much like spider-verse where every time well each of the times i've watched it i've noticed tons of things i didn't the first time and also, I'm I'm not great at identifying voices the first time. I didn't know it was Florence, Florence Pugh, and my like the lizard part of my brain knew it was Ray Winston, but I couldn't put a, a name to it. And so it was really nice watching it again and enjoying the voice performances because they're all so perfect. And it's just little things. I, it's so sensitively written as well. Like one of the story elements is that Perito, the little puppy, is a therapy dog, and um, Puss who is now for the first time in his life feels nervous at one point when he he meets about the middle of the movie he re-sees the wolf and he has a considerable panic attack and the camera's just held as the dog just comes over and and puts his head on his stomach and the only sound is because his heartbeat getting slower and slower and I, it was just lovely to see anxiety addressed in a kid's movie it's not an element that's usually present in in films and um mm-hmm. so many kids suffer from it and i just think that one scene is probably going to have quite an effect on so many people and the the whole the whole theme of the hero feeling nervous and and that it's okay to be nervous by the end of it like he accepts who he actually is instead of the the uh, the legend he's been living for so many years just full of really great messages. It's just really, really well written. Yeah. Um, so Ethan Ethan Cohen has a story credit on it, which I thought was interesting. Oh, interesting. I did. I didn't know that. Hmm. <clears throat> I do think it's great. You're wrong. You're not wrong. It's great that it is. The story is not about puss in boots, like losing a weapon or facing just 
a generally superior foe that he then has to go on like a training adventure for in order to defeat. It's really it is a story about his his mental health and his ability to mm-hmm. to combat that and the idea that um, his acceptance of himself is important is yeah it's 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 a great it's a great movie it's a really great movie and mm-hmm. I I don't want to oversell it but you should definitely watch this movie um, it's so good and. I think I know Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is winning all the awards and to be fair, deservedly so. Uh, but this movie belongs in those conversations for best animated feature everywhere this year. Uh, it's, it's so yeah. wonderfully, wonderfully put together. Uh, and I would argue that um, I didn't do this, but if I were going to now, especially because I saw it outside of 2022, but if I were going to put together a list of like maybe the best, just like individual characters of 2022, I think that the wolf would be on that list. It's, yeah, yeah, he's, sure. he's so good. Yeah. It's interesting you bring out Pinocchio. One of my issues with Pinocchio was how I know it really brought out the dark elements of the original story that Disney didn't bring out. So that's fine. And, uh, it's incredibly dark and i think as a kids movie i think puss in boots is better for for, as a family movie as an animation like uh i don't even think of pinocchio as a i don't even think of pinocchio as a kids movie honestly it's it's maybe a little too yeah well we know that but there's going to be tons of parents who see pinocchio and think oh it's pinocchio this is a kids movie Uh, so um yeah, I, it's it's a really, really successful movie in that it addresses things for kids, but is also a great movie for adults to watch as well. And there's yeah. loads of little, there's loads of little like adult laced humor moments as well. And I really like John John Mulaney's delivery as Jack Horner was was really great as well. It was very very dry and um, mm-hmm. really appealed to me. Really, really, really appealed to me as well. And Lots it did hang. Humor. It did hang on to that really the thing that the Sh- that when the Shrek movies did this, when they do it well, they do it really exceptionally well. And that is the really again the like you're saying the met the meta stuff. And I think my my favorite example of that is there's an ethical bug, which is a, a direct parody <laughs> yes. of the talking cr- cr- cricket, like of Jiminy Cricket, and he's, he's just so good. So good. Because he ends up being with Jack Horner for most of the movie, trying to be like do the right <laughs> thing, to make him and 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 the the actor, the voice actor who plays him, this guy called Kevin McCann, is doing like this amazing, just like dialed to eleven Jimmy Stewart impression the whole time. Like, <laughs> Odd, but gee, Jack, maybe maybe you should do the right thing in this situation. Like, it's just so it's so perfectly done. And the direction, um, the direction of his reactions to when Jack Horner's like, oh, kill them, well, just kill them all. And there's a beautiful frozen moment, and the, the crickets is like, what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's, and I don't know if, did you stay through the credits? Did you see there's, there's an course. end credits tag Absolutely. that teases more films in the Puss in Boots slash... Shrek, Shrek universe, Shrek. and if you'd asked me like even like last year if I wanted more Shrek movies, I'd have been like, eh, "Do I? Do we? Does anyone? Do we want that?" But having seen this, yes, I very much do. 
So I, I mean, uh, I'm in two minds about where this could go. One one of the elements of um, Spider Verse that I found interesting is that apparently um, the animators had much less oversight and were told by the directors to be like, be be more crazy, like do things you wouldn't usually do, express this in ways that that you want to do, like do something else with it, and that's why you've got all the craziness. And I got that kind of feeling from this as well. I would love to think that the animators were just told, well, what would you do here? How could you make this more vibrant? How could you do this? And I, that, that way of working is more expensive and takes longer than just someone going, okay, animate, here's your storyboards, animate this keyframe to this keyframe and do it exactly as I want. And with, with uh, more Shrek movies, I hope they keep this almost experimental nature that Puss in Boots felt like. It felt like something else. It felt like something pushing the boundaries of... It's so unlike other Shrek movies. And I really Mm -hmm. hope, if they are going to make another Shrek, I really hope they keep that trust in the animators and allowing the animators to do something crazy instead of thinking, okay, it's a Shrek. This is a mainline Shrek. We have to draw it in and be a bit more Disney here and... I would really hope they keep that kind of dangerous element to it. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I think, again, I think that uh, animated films are going to continue to be, to politely put it, to be influenced by Into the Spider-Verse for many years and decades to come. And I would hope that, especially now with the, especially the critical reception to The Last Wish. Mm, that uh, Yeah, which has been great. Yeah, so I hope that they... That DreamWorks really takes that and runs with it. That they that they because I mean that's DreamWorks wants to win awards, right? They they want they want the critical reaction to be great. So yeah, sure. And I think I think that they understand the power of a good story with the with the power of excellent animation. And I think that if mm. that this is both of those things. And yeah, it really is. I know we we always go to we talk about even now even when the rec- track record is a bit spottier we. We always go to Pixar when we talk about, you know, great CG animated films. But I think at this point, DreamWorks might actually have more of my favorite animated CG animated films mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. Pixar does. Yeah, they certainly I have. Always... They certainly they certainly have my favorite franchise of CG animated movies, which is How to Train Your Dragon. So, <laughs> I always like to bring in Illumination into the conversation. I think Illumination are. Yeah, uh, Pixar, if they wanted to be more popular, <laughs> like populist, like uh, Illumination, I think deserve to be mentioned with any other high-ranking animation studio. I think they're they're always really good at combining quick humor with great scripts with great animation, and um, mm. uh, I'd like to. I always like to watch their movies too. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's all we can say without getting into crazy, crazy spoiler territory. So let's not. Yeah, you should do watch that. this. How many stars? How many stars for you? Four, four to five. Yeah, you? same, same for me. This is a four star movie. It's really, really excellent. And if you have a chance to see it in the cinema, then uh, try to do that because the kids, kids will love it. It's a great, great kids, adults, family film. You'll come out of it feeling great. It's great for the eyes and some great messages too and uh i'm sure it sings on the big screen as well and to be fair to be fair, to be fair. i think I, I think honestly in a 
2022 turned out to be, I think, one of the best films in recent, best years for film in recent memory. And in, a, in a, any other year, I think this would be an easy five, an easy five stars. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's just part of that ongoing 2022 thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Interesting. Well, we're going to call it there. Um, no idea what we're covering next week, but I am starting my Sundance coverage uh, this weekend, <laughs> so look for that. Um, that is going to be it for us, though, so thank you so much for listening. Um, if you're new to the show, thank you so much for joining us. And if you are a long-time or even second-time listener, welcome back. We love that you're here. Reach out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SmatthewAF. You can find Simon on Twitter at TemporaryPan, or you can find us on Twitter at AwesomeFridayCA. Uh, we also, you can just email us, comments at AwesomeFriday.ca, or just go to the website. There's a form. We, there's lots of ways to get a hold of us, as it turns <laughs> out, and we love hearing from people. Uh, we record this here in Vancouver on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations. Um, and I forgot to say that we have a Patreon and a Kofi, and those will be in the show notes. And if you want to support us more directly, uh, leave a review, smash the like button, subscribe uh, on your podcasting platform of choice. Um, but for now, again, thank you for listening and for joining us on this awesome podcast. Thanks, bye.